So I was listening to a story on This American Life about a man who was developmentally disabled, and he had written a list of his fears, which was quite an extensive list, um, to help him deal with those fears better. I guess for somebody in his condition, fear could be very consuming and problematic to daily life to a larger degree than it is for others. And I don't have Asperger's or a developmental disability or anything like that, but I totally identify with the notion of fear being a powerful problem or a roadblock or a feeling like it's almost an enemy. And I loved his idea so much that I copied it and I decided to write my fears down as well. And I think, as you can imagine, it's a bizarre, long list of really batshit crazy stuff. Um, some of my fears are pretty common and normal. They deal with death and illness and things of that nature, money problems, but some are totally random and weird. I have this thing about meadows um, that my friends know about me, but uh, I feel that most of them are pretty reasonable. And I don't really care what people think about them. I own them a little bit now, too, I think, because of the list. And one thing that the list helped me see is that I am overly cautious um, as a result of my fear. That doesn't seem like a huge leap, but it was hard to, for me to figure that out. And I figured it out because in addition to making the list, I put a little star by everything that I will sort of willingly encounter despite my being afraid of it. And there are not as many stars as there should be. So my fear is one thing, but my cautiousness is another thing that... Um, creates problems. And cautiousness is different because it's not hidden. It's not a secret. It's out in the open. People have remarked on it. And when I saw the list, I realized they were right about it. You see, it's subtle enough that people who don't know me don't always notice. But sometimes it's very obvious and people know that I'm more cautious than the average person. Kind of obsessed with doing the right thing, and following the rules and following directions, not doing the wrong thing. A lot of times I get just mercilessly teased by my friends for my sort of goody two-shoes attitude about everything. And it's, it's little things. I can't tolerate people cutting in line. I hate movie talkers. Uh, it took me forever to break down and actually smoke a little weed. <laughs> have a little pot, actually, um, after everyone else I've ever known did it. And uh, I think that my little path of following the rules most of the time is very effective. I don't get in a lot of trouble. I always put my IKEA products together very easily because I follow the directions. I, I know what time the library is open because I checked it out online before I went. I read signs. I follow advice. I do my research. The easiest example of this is in driving. Um, 
some of my biggest fears on the list pertain to driving and the police being pulled over, being given a ticket, being arrested, going to jail. I've never been in an accident where I was driving, which I wholeheartedly believe is because I'm very cautious. I've been in four accidents where other people were driving the car that I was in. And luckily, I've never been seriously hurt because I'm always wearing my seatbelt. <laughs> but these experiences just make me feel more righteous about the way I see and do things. I think, weird way, my overwhelming knowledge of doing things the way they're supposed to be done helps me get away with a lot that an ordinary person doesn't get away with because they're not cautious. So I do recognize that my fears and all of it are not normal, but I think I'm right about having them. <laughs> as I believe they keep me safe. And I haven't been proven wrong very much. And every time something happens to someone I know that that's one of the things that I'm afraid of, and I hear about it, my first inclination is to be like, you see, that's what happens when you break the rules and you're real close and you think you're invincible. <laughs> and I just, I know how annoying. I have to be to a lot of people, so I rarely say these things out loud, but just so you know, that I mean, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so you can imagine my horror when I got my first traffic ticket. Um, in a hilarious and cruel twist of fate, I got my first traffic ticket as a result of my irrational cautiousness and as a result of my just out-of-control ego about that cautiousness. So this is what happened. I was making a left turn onto a two-way street, and to the left of me was a very bright, like, blinding surface-of-the-sun sign for the hospital in my little college town. And it's, it's like a small town, it's the middle of the night, there's not a lot of other light, and I didn't know this then, but I have a little bit of a vision problem. I have a hard time seeing distance, things are far away, and I wear glasses now uh, to help this. Sometimes it's not that bad, but I didn't at the time, and it's worse at night. And so other than this horribly brightly lit up hospital sign, I also can't see very well. And I've come to a complete stop at a stop sign, obviously, but I can't see, so I'm very, very slowly inching my car out into the cross streets to try and see around the sign and see if any cars are coming, but I just can't tell, so eventually I've inched so far out so slowly that I'm like almost smack in the middle of the road, and sure enough, there's a car coming towards me very fast, and I finally see those headlights, and I hesitate just like a little bit, but then I decide to just hit the gas and get out of the way, and I think I'm good. Just barely make it. And then I see that the car that I'm pulling in front of is a police car. And I have that brief moment of like wondering if what I just did was really illegal and sort of crossing my fingers like I'm about to just pee my pants. This is like this huge flood of adrenaline just where I pray that he keeps going and <laughs> doesn't care that I just did this weird thing that I did. But of course he spins around and puts on the lights and does the little whoop and I just know my goose is cooked. <laughs> um, come to find out, he thought I was running the stop sign. 
because when I pulled out, I was going so fast to get out of the way. And so I explain everything then about the bright light of the sign. I just couldn't see. It's dark. And he seems very sympathetic. And I think for a moment, I might get away with this. But in the back of my mind, I know about this other big problem, which is contributing to my anxiety. I'm hoping that there's like some small chance in heaven that he's not going to notice it. But of course he does. And he writes me a ticket for it. And what he writes me a ticket for is not having proof of insurance in my car. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, if I'm so cautious, I'm the super cautious person, how can I not have my proof of insurance in my car? And there's a very simple answer to that. I didn't have car insurance at all. <laughs> so, here's why I didn't have car insurance. In college, like most of my life, like now, I did not have a lot of money, and car insurance just seemed like a luxury. It was just so much money every month. And it seemingly had no purpose. I never saw anything for it. I never needed it because I never got in an accident, and nothing terrible ever happened to my car that was more than the deductible would have been. And here's the kicker. I honestly believed I would never need it because I'm such a cautious driver and I really truly believed that if I was ever in a car accident that there's no possible way that it would be my fault. It was just unfathomable to me that I it, I could ever be at fault for a traffic accident. And I've, I had reason to believe this. I mean, I have been taunted by my friends like to no end about what a grandma driver I am. I never speed. I obsessively check my blind spots and my mirrors. If I'm merging onto the highway and I don't think I can make it, I'll get off and turn around and try it again Like when I feel that it's safer. I've been honked at so many times for not going fast enough or like not turning into traffic quickly enough because I just want to make absolutely sure that I'm not going to hit someone. And I always leave super early so that I have time to be the cautious grandma driver that I am. So... I'm never late. I mean, I, I canceled my car insurance. So, of course, I got pulled over. <laughs> this, all on its own, would have been a terribly frightening experience for me. Um, completely by itself. But just a little information for anybody living in the state of Colorado, which is where I lived at the time. Getting caught without insurance is a mandatory court date. It's not just a fine. You have to go to court. And I, I cannot describe to you how terrified I am of having to go to court. Um, I don't know specifically where the fear comes from. I think it's a pretty reasonable fear. I mean, who really wants to go to court? Nobody. For me, it's just, it's soul crushing. It feels, it feels like I'm going to die. I mean, it feels like physically painful to just even think of it, just the thought of it. So I have to go to the municipal court, which is <laughs> its the lowest level of the court system. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. Um, no, like, like hard criminal in his right mind would be afraid of municipal court. He's been to municipal court. Like, who cares? He wouldn't even be there because he's, his crime is above that or whatever. Um, 
I'm, I'm like, I, I assume that very little probably happens in this room where the person is going to end up in jail. I assume that. But just the thought, and I don't, re I don't really know that. Now I know that. But at the time, I really didn't know that. But it's, I should have. It was such a silly thing to be upset about. But just the thought of a judge, like an actual judge, and a, the city attorney would be there, which sounds more <laughs> intense than it really is. And, and keep in mind, I have no money, and certainly no lawyer, and no legal advice, and it just terrifies me. And I, I don't know how any of this works never had to deal with anything like this. I'm fully expecting to walk into some old 1800s courtroom with the big wooden bench and the judge and one of those weird gray curly wigs be shouting at me. I'm positive. I'm going to jail and that there's going to be a huge fine. Something's going to go wrong. You know, they'll take my driver's license away. Like I'll be wrongfully accused. My case will be mixed up with someone else's case. Like, my imagination, imagination is just running wild. There's no way I'm getting away with any of this. And it's, it's like, I've been pulled over now, which is my worst fear. So, mentally and emotionally, I'm just sinking into this bottomless depression and panic over what I have to go through. My court date approaches. I'm like ready for the guillotine. And I, you know, what's it to be? You know, the rack, the boiling oil. What is it going to be? I, I don't, you know. And I ask for directions to the court, and it turns out that the courtroom is in City Hall, which is this gorgeous new building in town. But I've never been there, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't, I don't know that it's that that's should be a comforting thing. Um. And so when I walk in the room, I'm really, really surprised to find out that it's just a room. It looks like a conference room in a hotel. It has this lame 90s carpeting, palm frond design. <laughs> There's a bench for the judge, but it's like half the size of what you would see on TV. This is not the law and order courtroom. There's some tacky wallpaper. I'm early, of course. So I have about a half an hour to watch the other criminals walk in. None of them have a lawyer either. So I feel a little better about that. Like, oh, okay, good. That's, this isn't, that's unnecessary. <laughs> that was an unnecessary fear. So it's like one thing down. And I've dressed up for this. I've worn my most professional looking outfit I can come up with. I'm a college student, so this is a weird thing for me to be wearing. I'm wearing a tan corduroy blazer and khaki pants. And they look a little bit like a politician's wife, you know? But like a like a poor one. <laughs> and I just want to be as presentable as humanly possible and just hope that the judge will have mercy on me. Everyone else has dressed like they're going to a barbecue after. And it's it's so startling to me that for a moment... I'm, like, taken out of this situation. And, oh, there's a train going by, sorry. I live close to the subway. I'm back, okay. So, I'm just, like, fully expecting, you know, 
the worst of it. And then I see everybody dress like this, and I just think, I, I have this weird moment of, like, is there a party I'm not invited to? Like, I feel left out. <laughs> this moment of, like, oh, God, I'm not going to have any friends in prison. <laughs> I'm wondering if I'm in the wrong room. Just panicking. Thankfully, the judge finally comes in. Oh, sorry. One more. Okay, train's gone. Judge comes in. She looks like my fifth grade teacher. She looks like Donna Reed. She's beautiful. She's like in her mid-forties. She has beautiful hair. <laughs> she could sell Mary Kay. The city attorney is like her sister from a rival network. She's like the Mary Tyler Moore of city attorneys. You'd think this would be a comfort to me, but it just makes me more suspicious. I don't understand it, so I am immediately afraid of it. <laughs> and then the judge very calmly and politely welcomes us. She explains the procedure for the afternoon, asks for people to volunteer to go first, and I'm such a little Hermione Granger that my arm darts up like she's just asked me to answer a question from the homework. <laughs> she calls me up, and I hand over my documents and tell her my name in the sweetest, most polite voice. She has this brief little smiling chat <laughs> with the city attorney and says they're going to offer me a plea. And that if I'm willing to plea guilty, go to traffic school, which is like a one-time, three-hour class that you go to. Um, all I have to do is pay my fine. The entire thing will be erased from my record. As long as I don't get any more tickets, I won't have any points on my license. It's, it's like having the wind knocked out of me. I mean, it's such, I'm in such disbelief that nothing terrible happened, and that's really over. Um, but because I'm such a nerd, and I had to be the first one, now I have to leave. I have to go check out with the county clerk and pay my fine. And I never find out what any of the other people at the courtroom had done. And I was really curious, I was very curious, and I wondered if any of them would be in the traffic class with me, like traffic school with me. So I show up to traffic school and sure enough, there's a few familiar faces there and it's in the same room, it's in the courtroom and it's just this uh, county sheriff's deputy or somebody. And it's, it's weird. For most of the class, he's just telling us different ways to avoid getting pulled over. And it's not as much like school as I thought it would be. I thought it would be more like school, like class. But it feels like we're getting the inside scoop or something. He's telling us where all the cops hang out setting up the speed traps. And one of the first things he does is have us go around the room and say what we did, which I was really excited for because I wanted to find out what the other people had done. And he sort of plays this game with us where he guesses where people got pulled over, like if it was a motorcycle cop or a patrol car. And it's kind of fun. And people are there for some weird reasons. I mean, it's really a mixed bag. There's this whole group of underage boys, for example, that are were at a party. And they all get a ticket called an MIP, which means minor in possession. And it's the ticket you give kids for underage drinking. And... Apparently, if you get an MIP and you go to traffic school, you can get it erased from your record. So going to traffic school seems to be like the, this will be erased from your record thing. So all these kids were there so that their parents, like, wouldn't find out about their MIP. 
And then um, there was a lady there who'd gotten a ticket for having some kind of like illegal farm animals in her backyard where it's not allowed. Um, like having chickens, chickens within city limits or something. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but it was like something to do with animals and like animal control. And she had illegal animals. And uh, I, that's something that goes through municipal court. And again, it's like if you go to traffic school, it's erased or something. Then there are a few soccer moms who've just gotten too many speeding tickets. And a lot of people were there because it was like their fourth or fifth speeding ticket. And there was this one really arrogant guy there. And one of the things that the cop said before he asked us to say what we did, where he was like, just tell me what you did. He was like, that's my rule. Just don't tell me you didn't do it or that you're innocent. And if you tell, if you tell me that, I'm not going to pass you. I'm not going to sign your little paper. So just fess up to what you did. So, you know, everybody, of course, does it. And it gets around to this guy. And he's like, I didn't do it. <laughs> he's the only one. I don't know if the guy's slip signed, but... If I was the police officer, I would have been mad. I would not have signed his slip. And uh, sheriff or the cop or whatever he was, um, he, uh, you know, he he's like a little annoyed with the guy. But like, no, they can't possibly be more annoyed than I am because in my mind, this you know this is, this is ridiculous that this guy wouldn't listen to the cop. And then he gets around to me. And he asks me what I've done, and I tell him. And he says, well, why didn't you have insurance? And, you know, as he's, as he's questioning me, his face just sort of lights up. He seems, like, almost just delighted to be able to talk about this and criticize me for it. And um, it's, it's the strangest thing, because I, I'm the only person in the room who is not who wasn't ticketed for the thing that they were pulled over for, and I'm also the only person in the room who's ticketed for the thing that I'm ticketed for. So he, I don't know if it was just that he, that was what it was, but he, he really singled me out, and he really talked to me. He was like, why didn't you have insurance? And I said, well, I can't afford it. He said, well, can you afford this? Of course, I couldn't. No. He lectured me more than anybody else in the room. He really taught me a lot. And I was so humbled. I was ashamed. I mean, I was sitting in a room full of people that I strive not to be. The speeders and the underage drinking kids and that arrogant guy that, that can't even do what he's supposed to do in traffic school. I mean, this is the most serious trouble that I've ever been in. And there's still some guy there who thinks that he's above it all. And as this, you know, cop is talking to me and going on about why you're supposed to have insurance, he's got this look in his eyes. He's looking right into me. He's just telling me with this look, like, hey, kid, you're not invincible. I wanted to shout, you don't understand, I know, <laughs> that's why I'm in this whole mess, but I don't. I sit there, and I listen, and I get my paper signed, and I go home after my three-hour class, a little humiliated, but relieved. It's over. 
nothing terrible happened. Nothing particularly shameful. No handcuffs, no points on my driver's license. No real repercussions at all. Just one stone-faced, piercing glare from a cop that says, Don't let me down. You're better than this. It wasn't anything close to the magnitude of my wildest fears. But it was enough. I live in New York now. I don't even have a car anymore. Despite my complaining about the subway, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a relief. <laughs> um, most of my car fears are placated, but now they're just replaced with new ones, though. I mean, um, if I'm being honest, I'm terrified of getting a summons on the train for something stupid. Um, train delays, the train slipping off the track. The big one now is getting hit by a car when I'm walking across the street. I'm not less afraid, but I'm less comforted by caution. I don't rely on my cautiousness as much, and I think it emboldens me to take more risks. I never would have known anything about what happens in a courtroom without it. The end.